Listen to more episodes of this podcast earlier than everybody else and ad-free when you sign up for Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service that's audience-supported, featuring more than 130 top-tier educational creators focusing on making content for you and not for an algorithm. Sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. The long and short of it is we all have a running narrative, a running story in our mind, which we all know is true. We all agree with that. That's hard. That's a that's a that's a fact to me. Um, that script runs on default. It's just running on default. So, however you were raised, that handed the script into your brain, and you're just running it and running it. And when your mind is not actively working on something, it defaults to a subconscious thought about yourself. Most of the time when you listen to this podcast, you're witnessing me meeting someone for the first time, or at least getting to know somebody that I've only recently met, that kind of thing. But uh, today's different. Today's guest is an old friend of mine. We've known each other for nearly 10 years. His name is Damian Skinner. We were catching up recently, and uh, you know we hadn't seen each other very much during the pandemic, but he told me about this project that he's working on, and I was like, that's cool. I want to help get the word out about this. Let's talk about this. Um, so a little background on Damian. He's done, like, everything. He, you name it, he's done it. He's directed and produced films. He's worked product marketing, built companies and nonprofits. He's just, he's just a guy who lives to serve, which has led to him doing a lot of studying and reading on things like mental health issues. Um, and along the way, he kind of came up with this idea of something that he called Camp Wonderment, which is basically a theme park that walks kids through a narrative journey that kind of teaches them how to deal with traumatic events. Um, it's a really cool mix of like entertainment and therapy that I'd never quite heard of before. And I thought it was worth talking about. So, uh, you know, let's just jump into it. How about I stop talking about it myself and get into my conversation with my good friend, Damien Skinner. So let's just jump right into Camp Wonderment. So you've told me a little bit about it. Um, for those listening at home that have never heard of such a thing, uh, like what is it, what's its purpose and how does it work? Yeah. So it is a new thing. It's not something that we can find anywhere that's existed. But the idea is to create a therapeutic theme park for kids. And um, there's a story about, you know, how I got to this point. There's a lot of thought and other therapists that I've worked with. I am not a therapist. I have no degree in this in any way. I'm a filmmaker. Mm. Uh, so I've had to work with a lot of actual, you know, trustworthy, trained people. Um, and the idea in short is instead of having children who've already experienced very well, the worst day of their life mm -hmm. going through traditional therapy, which we already know most kids don't even get into traditional therapy. Once they're there, they're sitting in a dark room across from a complete stranger mm -hmm. now having to re-traumatize themselves, explaining this horrible moment. Um, I experienced this when one of my kids were sexually assaulted. Oh, wow. And the effect that it had on my child going through and talking about it more and more at some time seemed like it was almost worse than the actual mm -hmm. moment. So the idea is to get kids out of that environment and put them in an environment that does one thing. This is where the name comes from. Um, I hedged my bets. Everything was on the idea that if we could get kids and we could spike like a sense of wonder in them, that they would recover faster. But I didn't know if that was true or not. I really didn't. Um, what we found out now in the last two years of you know research and working is that when a child is 
uh, traumatized. We know this is scientific fact. They instantly in that moment stop being a child. Like in that moment, they become an adult. Mm. They're no longer safe. They know the world is hostile, but they're now an adult stuck in a little kid's body. And so we've all known people with trauma. We all have it, right? Um, you can almost tell when somebody was severely traumatized because they get stunted at that age. So if you've ever known an adult that acts like a 13-year-old, that's probably yeah. when the went down, right? Yeah. So uh, really the idea, I learned about neuroplasticity, which, again, I'm a filmmaker. I'm surprised I even said that right. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, about your, it's about plastic in your brain, right? M yeah. Microplastics. Yeah. and Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's where all the recycling goes is to our yeah. brains. So, <laughs> just into people's just brains. Frauds. Yeah. Um, but the idea and what we're seeing now works is, you know, they are stunted. They're no longer children. There is research of children sitting in a room with every toy imaginable. And they're just kind of like, just like flippant. Like the imagination doesn't go away. It's weaponized. So you take a little kid's amazing imagination. Yeah. You turn it dark and that child grows up and lives that way for the rest of their life pursuing therapy, ruining relationships, can't hold a job. You look at all the statistics, all the things that most people know. So the, the, the you know, very long story short, what we have found out is my job has always been surprise, delight in storytelling. That's my job as a filmmaker, mm -hmm. right? Um, if I could combine that with existing trusted forms of therapy, then we could get kids out and spike a sense of play and wonder again while they're going through their therapy. And it's working. I mean, it really is working. You you get the therapist there side by side. You create a whole event, and I can go into what the camp actually does. But Yeah, yeah, I loved uh, it. Some of the stuff you told me before, I was just like, wow. <laughs> just, yeah. I was kind yeah. of blown away by it. I'd love to actually see it someday. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I hear every time, you know, I talk about this all day, every day, every adult that I've ever told this idea to has interrupted me at some point when I'm explaining and been like, well, I want to go to this, you know, <laughs> um, adults need this. And yes, mm -hmm. right, let's get this straight. You know, there's a lot of abuse of the term trauma, right? Yeah. Everyone gets trauma. You don't get out of this life without trauma. To me, it almost seems like my design, like there <laughs> is trauma at times. You know, and we've just lived in a time period where it was so extreme. Like some people spend their whole life in talk therapy, you know, uh, and a lot of people over identify with their trauma and they get stuck in that world. And then on the other hand, you have people that just ignore it and just like, you know, oh, I'm just going to you know, deal with this and keep going. And they're the ones that just bleed out in life when they get yeah. to like their 40s. Just... And then it affects everybody around them as they go through their lives. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm going to try to not quote this amount, but there is an amount. It's on our website. I have a seven page uh, white paper, basically, of our research about why camps and how it helps. But it's an astronomical number of the damage done to our financial system alone in the oh, United States yeah. from therapy, missed days of work. Missed days of work is the number one financial issue from untreated trauma. And I can tell you as someone that had untreated trauma for you know a very long time, it can manifest in your body from stomach issues every morning, so you're late to work. Mm -hmm. You're literally nauseous every morning. So getting back to 
what we really have found out is all I need to do is take artists, provide these children a true Disney level and above experience. You know, one of the things that one of the things that really birthed this in, in my life was going to Disneyland, taking my kids. It's an important moment, you know, <laughs> and realizing that the only kids that really get to go to Disneyland are pretty much wealthy kids, you know, yeah. uh, or, and I'm not saying this to be mean, I'm saying this to really explain the challenge or children who are terminally ill. They get to go sometimes, which is wonderful. And I've worked with some of those associations. But the kids that need and would benefit from a wonderment experience, they don't get to go there. And if they are lucky enough to get into therapy, and if they are lucky enough to find a good therapist, which everyone will tell you is a challenge, right? Yeah. Then the imagination, the re-engagement of the imagination, that is not what these poor folks are trained in. That is not what they're there for. They are overworked since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We've all heard, it, man, I, I was on a waiting list for eight months to get in with a therapist that I had worked with before. <laughs> so it, there's a lot to it. And, you know, the basic idea is that we can, we've done it now, we can create that moment. And the way we do it is create just a full theme park experience either indoors in a facility or preferably outdoors you know in a camp environment Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i mean you're talking about going to disneyland like um i didn't grow up poor but i also grew up in texas and they're like (laughs) equidistant from both disneyland's and it was just completely out of our budget to ever ever do anything like that um i actually went my senior year in high school um i got pick to perform at the halftime of the citrus bowl because i was in band yeah i was no i I wasn't like singing or anything i I was in band i was a drum major i didn't know you know i was in band in high school yeah i played well i played i was drum major i was drum major in my high school marching band um and uh i I played trumpet that's not part of the story but um at our drum major camp so i'm i'm completely just like you gave me all this like really deep stuff i'm like you know one time i was in band camp (laughs) I'm, I'm literally doing an American drums. Pie thing here. Um, it has a Lars uh, Metallica feel. All the <laughs> <laughs> Let me make this about me. Anyway, um, no, but I, I went to drum major camp and I got picked somehow to, to do this Citrus Bowl thing. But part of that trip was getting to go to Disney World. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that was, well, I've been to Disneyland once since then. But, but you know, being 17, 18 years old having never gotten a chance to go to something like that and just getting away from my small town and my parents and stuff and being able to hang out with kids from all over the country and whatnot. Like that was, that was a really defining thing for me. And I like got kind of obsessed with like Disney for a while. I was kind of a, a Disney young adult for a bit there, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, even, even at that age, the, the wonderment that you talk about, like it's, it's real. And it was just like, uh, it, it just blew me away. So um, well, and one of the things that people forget, you know, I've always been a huge Disney fiend. I've read biographies and all that, you know, and I love the the Imagineers that whole oh, world, yeah. um, which we're actually working with a few retired Imagineers, um, which it's is such really a great fun. job title. I'm an Imagineer. I know it. Yeah. I know. The minute I heard that term when I was a kid, I was like, that's what I want. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Give me a break, you know, but. One of the things that I've said a lot, because the first two years of Camp Wonderman, I mean, we're in year two and a half right now. That's where we're at, you know. Um, the first two years was solely working with therapists. 
is this something that can happen? How do we do it all the way to getting the actual camp outline curriculum and all that? Mm-hmm. Um, what I would tell all these therapists is you go to Disneyland, you go to Disney World, man, you even go to Six Flags. Anything that you're experiencing is not on accident. None of that is on accident. None of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a youth pastor eons ago. I ran, I did like 22 summer camps and I was the, you know, the wacky, crazy youth pastor that came up with all the games. <laughs> and I was that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to plan this stuff. And so the very first idea that I had to create, to spike a sense of wonder in these children, this is what I was my leading pitch. And we've since done it. Um, let's say we're doing a traditional five-day summer camp, right? And we do all kinds, but let's just use that as an example. Um, you know, the first night they're walking home, you know, walking back to their cabin and they look out 300 yards out and they see lightning bugs. There's nothing more magical in camp than lightning bugs, mm-hmm. right? The next night, lightning bugs. The next night, lightning bugs. Thursday night, they're walking home and those lightning bugs 300 yards off start swirling and moving around and there's all the sound of wind and the trees, the actual physical trees start moving in wind and then spins and spins and turns into a three-story ferry that's reaching out for the kids trying to get a message to them. They wake up the next morning. Oh, by the way, that dissipates back into the, the ladybugs. They wake up the next morning and where that scene was is a big old burnt area and there's a huge dragon egg sitting out there. It's roped off, and we've got people in hazmat suits, you know, eating the plastic, <laughs> the keychain guy, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and the kids are seeing that as they're walking to breakfast. You know, that so this is all this kind of stuff happening off in the distance as they're walking past. So there's sort of like seeing a story take place in the background, sort of. Right. Okay. Right. And now I'll tell you the actual process because, you know, every day we go on adventuring and they have to go through this portal, and I'll kind of explain that to you. But the idea around that, which all that is, is just LEDs. Like I, I know you love this kind of stuff. This took no time at all. I went to my favorite park where I walk pretty much every night. I set up a uh, phone, the same phone I'm using right now, on a you know tripod, and I recorded about 10 minutes of lightning bugs. Mm-hmm. We took that. We pulled the math, the the access math from their patterns, and then we programmed that into the LED net. So if we just used LEDs, it would be a solid light. But the way we did it, you had the trailing coming off the butt and all that. So it looks very real. But it's just an LED net sitting out there, you know. Um, So then we moved to, you know, we have a dragon. I might have told you about the dragon. You know, on Wednesday night, the dragon flies over. It's a pulley system. And it's at nighttime, which is a filmmaking secret. You know, if you want to do effect on a budget, do it at night. but the dragon flies over, breathes fire. Of course, it's not real fire. They hear it. All of this is air cannons. And this is all just event-based stuff that, you know, you see at Disney World yeah. constantly. The difference is, is they're spending the day doing two things. So in the morning, they go on adventuring. And that's when we go out and we literally do the hero's journey with their therapist in a fantasy world called Wonderment. And they come across elves who freaked out and are having a hard time regulating themselves. And so everything starts losing color and the whole group has to breathe with this elf in order. So it's all integrated into the journey. But really all they're learning is 
mindfulness, which we all hear constantly, self-regulation, and then the really deep part, that's the therapeutic part, is uh, heavy on what's called narrative therapy. Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Narrative therapy, dude, I even brought a book. I, I am such a huge fan. Um, this was the book, and you see the name, Wonderment. Mm-hmm. Wonderland is in there, but I found this book. My first therapist that I was working with, a dear lady named Terry, I was pitching the idea. She's like, uh, this is everything that these people are talking about. So uh, two guys out of a college in Australia created this about 21, 22 years ago. The long and short of it is we all have a running narrative, a running story in our mind, which we all know is true. We all agree with that. That's hard that's a that's a that's a fact to me. Um, that script runs on default. It's just running on default. So however you were raised, that handed the script into your brain, and you're just running it and running it. And when your mind is not actively working on something, it defaults to a subconscious thought about yourself and how you view the world. Is this the right? default mode network? Yes. I talked exactly. about that very briefly in a video recently. Okay. Right on. Yes. So I'm going to I'm going to butcher it just because I'm going to try to make it, you know, pretty concise. But the idea is if you had trauma as a child, again, we've all had trauma, but trauma at hitting you as an adult is very different than trauma hitting you as a child, because this is the programming that goes in. Mm -hmm. So you've heard when kids get abused or when parents get divorced, kids always think it was their fault. It seems very strange to us because we're adults and we're like, nah, those people were messed up. But as a kid, you just assume that you did something to deserve whatever that abuse was. Your worldview for the rest of your life is that you deserve this level of treatment, abuse. You can only imagine the circumstances as people live through that, right? Mm -hmm. So what narrative therapy does is it gets you to go back to the abuse, the moment, and there's a difference between having one moment and a series of abuse. Those are two different paths. But you take that and you externalize what happened to you. So what we do with kids is, just to give you an example, half the day is adventuring, where we're doing the hero's journey and the actual therapy. And then after lunch, the second part of the day is just straight up filmmaking. These kids, we're teaching them how to write a a quick, short story Hmm. where they externalize what happened. And I'm telling you, they write what happened to them. And a lot of them will tell it like they're not allowed to use the real names or the real circumstances. They have to fictionalize it. That's really mm-hmm. important. Okay. So, you know, if you're talking about my dad beat me all the time, classic, which we have seen is a Darth Vader character. You know, um, it's interesting with little kids. It's almost all all the villains are sci-fi and anime kind of villains. You know, hmm. a lot of Thanos, you know, going on in these in the story. Um, because that's... That's the mythology of their age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if I was in Greece, people would be writing these stories about like Medusa yeah. did this to me. Da, da, da. But really what it was, is it was a teacher that made fun of her in class. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Fast forward today, we have <clears throat> Thanos and Hulk and Superman as our mythology. And, you know, Pokemon is part of children's mythology in their mind. It's mm-hmm. right and wrong. It's a compass to them. So by tapping back into that, we have them externalize it, what happened to you, vilify that person, write them out to be the most disgusting, horrible, just get that character out there. 
-hmm. And so we do, you're a screenwriter, we do the deal where you write, you know, you draw the image and you put all their character traits around them, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. and a lot of these kids, their handwriting isn't even developed to the point, you know, I mean, it's fascinating to watch how quickly children take to storytelling. They have no barrier to entry, like none. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell a story? Cool, I got a story for you. And they'll go, and they'll go. And then we help them write, uh, make that little film using phones. So we're teaching them filmmaking. We're teaching them to externalize through creating, which is part of what all this set's about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, darkest times of my life, which we've all had, I survived by making stuff. You know, um, when I was a kid, it was turning trash into swords and stuff. And there's a principle there where I want kids to understand nothing is just trash. You can develop this. You can turn it into something of, mm-hmm. of immense value. So That's how every artist works. Yeah. And that's the beauty is the parallels here. Out of everybody that I'm working with, you know, the idea is let's get out of our silos. You've got therapy over here and you've got entertainers over here and you've got the children by combining that the entertainers don't really understand the therapy and the therapists don't understand the entertainment they're not supposed to (laughs) you know um but over time the team starts kind of gelling and it's fascinating because now when we're writing out this narrative when we're helping them externalize it the adults are starting to do this themselves like adults are like, oh, I, I see the issue. I left this thing in me. I allowed it to take root and hold like a place in my life. I need to get it out. And Joe, I, I mean, you've heard me say this unrelated things, but the biggest issue we deal with is nobody really gets to talk. Nobody, yeah. adults, do not get a chance to talk about what happened or what's happening and be heard. You know, like when you try to tell someone about something you're going through, most people try to either make you feel good about it or like give you a motivational quote. You know, like somebody will just drop some Tony Robbins on me in the (laughs) middle of the sudden. Like, dude, you know, um, I'm sharing with you here. Yeah, exactly. Can you just care? And children get that much worse. Mm. They're children. They're resilient. Well, yeah, that's true. They're resilient if they have the tools. Right. So. We use a combination of behavioral therapy, talk therapy. There's a lot of different, you know, modalities that have been proven for a long time and are safe. Um, we don't experiment with anything other than existing modalities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So combining narrative therapy and Joseph Campbell's, you know, incredible work, you know, the hero's journey that yeah. we most of us know about. Um, Carl Jung was huge into this whole concept of the hero's journey and the archetypes in our minds. We're just using it. We're now using that information to. So you're, you're, yeah. You're, so you're taking the children through the hero's journey themselves, but mm-hmm. it sounds like at the same time, you're kind of teaching them storytelling techniques that also incorporate those right. ideas. Exactly and, right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of a week or three days or depending on the camp, um, you know, our first camp we had was in San Diego at the San Diego Circus Center. And my buddy there, Jean-Luc Martin, you know, he's I told you about him. He's a Circus Soleil guy and now he has his own place. So we brought in children uh, with limb differences. which I didn't even know that was the way to say that. You know, oh, I mean, okay. that's yeah. I'm working with a new population every day. 
every day I learn everything from how do you refer to this group of people to what's really going on. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And um, we had one kid, there's a video on our website, AU. Um, he uh, was missing both arms. He'd been doing fine, and I didn't know this, but kids born without limbs do much better than kids who lose limbs after they've been born. It makes sense. Because um, that's all they've ever known. That's right. So AU was fine. He was in school. He was doing well. He was playing soccer. He was, everything was great. They had a fire drill at school. They were all getting in line. He tripped, couldn't catch himself, busted his face, busted his teeth, and embarrassed more than anything, severely embarrassed himself in mm -hmm. front of everybody. So when we were getting ready to do this camp, we always find a uh, liaison, someone that's an expert in that space. So. There's a doctor in San Diego, which is awesome. And she came on and she works with all these children. And so we brought Ayub in on the first day of circus camp, you know, just scared, overwhelmed the whole night. On day four, he did a 20 foot drop backwards on the mats in front of about 150 to 200 people who paid to come and see a circus show. Hmm. That was in four days. And, you know, again, I have the video. It's not like just spitting out ideas. He went back to school. He's lost weight because he was gaining a lot of weight. He stopped playing soccer. I left out the whole point. He dropped. He wasn't even going to school. Mm, wow. Like things were going dark for him. And in four days, it was much less about what we said and more about what we were walking them through. Yeah. And you can talk to people. You can talk to kids until you're blue in the face. But actions is what helps externalize and put in a new thought system you know um using so yeah, your physiology we, to affect your psychology kind of thing yes which there's so much evidence around that we all know that mm -hmm. but you know most of us know enough about the hero's journey that there's those major steps and sometimes we pull some of those steps out some of them are not as relevant as others right mm -hmm. um the call to action or the call to adventure <clears throat> You know, the uh, the old Obi-Wan character that has wisdom, the Yoda, the Gandalf, the whatever. We hit all those marks. Mm -hmm. And where it gets really interesting is, every, and I don't like the term population, but that's the medical term. Every new population requires that we rewrite the whole scenario. You know. Um, so it's kind of custom design for each group. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have kids that are autistic going through mm -hmm. the same course with the same level of engagement and sound and dra I mean, dragons. Sure. sure. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> not going to work, yeah. you know. Um, so there's, there's a lot of customization to it. And the other challenge was when something like this does get started, it's always at a location. And now we're back to where we started. We're hoping that kids that need this can come to us we're back to the disney issue mm. so from day one the plan has always been for this to be a mobile traveling like theater company where we go to camps we go to build buildings after school programs schools all of that and we have the trauma-informed actors that's a real thing they take mm. two weeks of trauma education how to spot it how to handle it all that um we bring a portal, it's a 15 foot portal that we can either push into trees or we can dress to make it look like it's part of the landscape. And as kids go in it, they walk through a tree 
and the elevation changes, the ground turns squishy, the temperature changes, the smells change. Of course, sound and sight, you know, lights, that's easy. And when they come out the other side, they're in wonderment. And that's how we move in and out of this thing. Well, that experience alone is considered grounding. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the whole idea. You're, you're like, taking them out of their normal environment into this new place. That's right. Yeah. You know, so where people would do that for storytelling, and that's awesome, it's absolutely necessary for therapy. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. the parables are go on and on and on. You know, you you don't want to surprise a kid and start talking to them about their trauma. Yeah. Well, I mean, parents do that. Like in the middle of dinner, hey, Johnny, how you feeling about getting your, you know, butt kicked a couple of days ago at school it it shocks them it freaks them out you know so we've just learned this process of how to gently walk kids into this environment um we're learning there's some things that uh haven't worked of course i mean we're in the early early days but uh the things that haven't worked i think were more obscure they have to be really clear steps you know um so anyway Hey, if you're interested in the subject of mental health and psychology in general, you might want to check out the three-part series, The Science of Emotions, on Curiosity Stream. You know, we like to think of ourselves as logical, wise creatures. I mean, we named ourselves Homo sapiens, which means wise ape, but we're not. We are emotional creatures, and we're far more controlled by our emotions than we think. So this series takes a long look at that thing that guides our decisions and ultimately our world. And from there, you can browse our library of thousands of documentary titles from award-winning filmmakers from all around the world, covering everything from science to art, pop culture, history, animals, you name it. If you're curious about it, you can find it on CuriosityStream. Plus, if you sign up at my special URL, curiositystream.com slash joescottpod, you can get free access to Nebula, the streaming service I'm a part of, as well as many of your favorite science communicators on YouTube. At least all my favorites are there, uh, where you can watch my videos ad-free and earlier than everybody else, and where you can see my Nebula-exclusive videos and series like my Mysteries of the Human Body series and the ongoing Forgotten Atrocities series. Plus, now there's Nebula Classes, where you can learn skills from your favorite creators. It's just a, it's a really cool platform. It's always adding new stuff, so it's worth checking out if you haven't. But you get both of those services for only $14.79 for an entire year when you sign up at curiositystream.com slash joescottpod. That's uh, 26% off their normal rate and just over a dollar a month. Uh, it's It's got to be the best streaming deal that's ever happened. So once again, it's curiositystream.com slash joescottpod. Go check it out. And thanks to CuriosityStream for supporting this podcast. Now back to Damien. What is it about narrative that sort of hacks our brains? You know what I mean? It, like I've talked about that and I've talked about how music sort of hacks our brains. I feel like there's just some innate things. Maybe it's evolutionary. Maybe it's something just like that helped us to bond over the years as we're such social animals and whatnot to have like common narratives that we all agree on and, and, and function through. Like uh, I just find that, I find that fascinating. Like what, every, as, as you're sitting here talking, I'm, I'm thinking about like what can be powerful about like science fiction that, um, I mean, Star Trek was kind of famous for like talking about societal issues through aliens and other worlds and stuff like that. And it's, it's such a good way of like taking your own personal, you could use the word politics if you want, but I, your the, the stuff that you hold dear, the, your own identity stuff. Values. yeah. Yeah. Your values. It just, it just removes that. And it like puts it in this whole different context so that you can like get an objective look at it and be like, Oh, yeah. like it's, I think that's where, where science fiction really shines. 
And, and I, I feel like a lot of the science fiction that doesn't work, especially the stuff these days, they kind of tend to forget that. And it's all about the action and stuff like that. And it's like, no, actually where science fiction is great is it's reflecting our current situation. Absolutely. And and like when you're talking about like the, the narrative journey and narrative therapy stuff, I kind of feel like externalizing your own inner trauma, your inner demons into something else helps you to reframe it in a way that you can understand and, and work with. Well, and I, I don't want to get too um, metaphysical on this subject, but, you know, that is a huge area of, of interest of mine, of mm -hmm. where science butts up to that stuff. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. hard science, and then here's this stuff that we're not quite sure yet, which I just think is undiscovered science at that point, yeah. you know. But one of the things that I was taught when I was learning to meditate um, again, this is something people talk about all the time. You hear medit there's meditation apps that mine was, mine was different. Mine wasn't to, you know, just be chill for the day. It wasn't a good routine. It was to keep me from going like really dark, uh -huh. you know, it, it, I needed it. And the person that was teaching me this, you know, I started with the same thing, you know, oh, I can't vote. Everyone, everyone says the same stuff. Yeah. But what has stuck with me and to your point is when I would have an uncontrollable fear, I have PTSD from abuse. So fear works different in my mind. I'm always anticipating yeah. that next boot, right? Yeah. So what they explained to me is if you can observe something, then you're not that thing. Right. And while a lot of people don't have a problem understanding that, that rocked my world. Mm -hmm. It completely changed my life because now I can objectify and externalize fear, embarrassment, rejection, you know, mm -hmm. all of those things that we're all scared of and we get all worked up over. Now that I can see it, I know that I'm not that. Mm -hmm. It gives me a little bit of space so I can choose if I want to make that part of me. Yeah, yeah. Teaching that to kids, dude, like, there's kids so much, have yeah. trauma. Kids need that, man. You know, there, there's so much of that that I learned only in my late 30s and early 40s that I'm like, God, if I had known this when I was young and could like yeah. develop those tools at an earlier age, like it could have yeah. saved me so much headache, no heartache, all of it. Um, yeah. The the thing that rocked my world was the I mean, this is basically what you just said, but the idea that like your thoughts are not you. You know, that your brain kind of has, like you said, like a def default mode network going on yeah. in the background that you don't really have any control over, but it has a lot of control over you. And okay. and if you can separate yourself from your thoughts and just kind of be like, oh, well, that was a weird thought, you know, without being like, I can't believe I thought that or or like that thought is controlling me. You know, um, right. I, I went like really heavy into meditation for a while there. Uh, for the same reason, I, I was in a pretty dark place in my life and I felt like just having... Uh, I mean, that was kind of what I was clinging to, to try to pull myself back out of it. And, and I feel like it did help me, maybe not in the way that I was expecting it would, but just by creating some space between me and my thoughts and being able to just, you know, view them from the outside and, and understand that like, well, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but like, I'm, I'm not those thoughts. It's just, those are, those are thoughts and I am observing them fly by and I That's can right. choose to agree with them or not agree with them or act on them or not act on them. Um, it, it's yeah, that was, that was a life changing thing for me. Yeah. And there's a, there's a maturity that has to come on the other side of learning that because mm -hmm. then now you're armed and you know, but now you have to make that choice. Yeah. And that 
that's where the practice comes in because now I can identify that this thing is not me, but there's still such a draw to the negative charged juice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that it yeah. feels right. It's, like, feel, it's very satisfying. When, yeah. And there's yeah. times that I feel like I'm lying to myself by choosing the positive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's still that mindset. And so just imagine the average day. I mean, you remember eighth grade. Absolute hell. All day, every day, absolute <laughs> mm -hmm. hell. Imagine having the ability to separate yourself from what you're feeling. Not even necessarily know what to do with it. Just to create that distance. Yeah. You know? um, we identify with what we feel passionately. So if you were raised to think that you're a piece of crap and that you deserve abuse... And that, that means there must be something wrong with you. And also, don't forget, there's many systems out there that are already teaching people that there's something wrong with you, that you're yep. born wrong and all that. That's a whole other issue. Mm -hmm. um, their mindset, they they would say they have no control. I've met people who are like, I have no control over my mind. And within a few minutes, you can show them that they do. You know? Yeah. Um, there was this exercise, this kind of freaked some people out, but uh, there was this exercise that this guy did with me. He's like, look, sit here and smell a rose. And I don't know about you, but I can instantly smell a rose. Mm -hmm. You know, not just a flower, but specific that rose smell. And he's like, there's no roses anywhere. When's the last time you had a rose? But in your mind. You That's so funny. I just did it. I just did it when you brought that up. Like in my mind, I like I like created that sensation of a, a rose yes. smell. I imagine walking into the florist in my hometown that my, my mom used to always take me to. Sorry. Go. Sorry. I, I, I totally no. just did what you said. No, you did exactly what I'm talking about. And all you of our just audience just did too. We just yeah. distributed rose smell telepathically. Right. right. You guys are welcome. <laughs> we, need the, we need the Joe Scott rose scent. That's good. So, but I mean, what you just did, you know, I'm not trying to sound too matrixy here, but what mm. you did is you just loaded a program. Your, your concentration, which I wouldn't call that very difficult concentration, mm. your nanosecond concentration loaded a program. And in your mind, there is no difference if you had a bouquet of roses or no roses. Your mind just experienced roses. Yeah. So what I try to explain to people, the reason I don't watch a lot of horror movies, I'm a filmmaker, I've made horror films, but the reason I don't watch them is any minute I will start having real experiences from my childhood mm. and that shit is real mm -hmm. Mm. in my mind. And if I don't get a hold of that, it will now become real physically and I'll start taking actions. And now you have this thing happening in your life and this is one point. I mean, look at how much we can talk about this one point. Yeah. You are not your thoughts. Yeah. And children don't know that. They have no clue. And, you know, when I first started, I used to just go off and hammer people with statistics. And it doesn't help. People don't listen to statistics. You know what I mean? Um, the amount of children that are committing suicide, this one principle alone could radically curve that number. Mm -hmm. This one concept, this one principle of you are not your thoughts would dramatically shift that number, you know. And so, you know, for me, I've made this my life passion. It's the perfect combination of filmmaking, storytelling, you know, uh, helping kids, which has always been a passion of mine. So uh, 
one of the challenges is even though with us traveling around, we got to get this in front of more kids than just the kids who are attending camp. So we've got the school programs. We've got a YouTube channel. That's what this is. I play a wizard named Didi Lumea who uh, helps kids release their big scary emotions at night, how to identify them, and what to do with them before you go to bed. How many adults do you know how to do that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we take our fears and concerns to bed and we fall asleep with the TV on, you know, um, training kids. We know right now some ridiculous number, like 40% of kids are going to bed at night watching YouTube on iPads. Yeah. So I could run a campaign to try to get parents to make better choices, or I could put better content on YouTube for these kids. You know, yeah. um, I get, I get told so a lot that people fall asleep to my videos and, it's... you know, I always fall asleep. The first few seconds, I'm just out on every one of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't so, sure so like, if you're a joke or not. No, no, whenever, whenever people say that, like, I have a choice. I could be like, how dare you uh, say that my like get, take it like that. Or, or I could just be like, um, it's it's actually it's it's a little weird but it's kind of sweet that they're like there's a very there's an intimacy there yes they're laying in bed and watching you know tv like not that i'm in bed with people but you know what i mean like it's it's like i'm it's there's an intimacy to that it's almost like it's like a parent reading a a book sorry i was talking over you what i talked over you go ahead (laughs) i said it's kind of like a parent reading a book to a child as they're falling asleep you know it's it's same similar kind of thing and that's the idea at the end of our you know three to four minute video i kick back and read you know and do stuff back here and it loops for almost nine hours so it'll stay on the music is there the kids wake up it hasn't switched over to some kid playing you know modern warfare or whatever i mean it'll oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I missed something here so so you're saying there's like a tv in their rooms and they can watch it as they go to sleep at no, the these camp? are using like iPads in their bed. They're literally holding iPads, laying down, watching YouTube channels while they're falling asleep. Right, but th- is this they're part sure. of your camp like situation? No. no, we're taking what we're teaching kids in camp, and we're rolling it out in school programs, and we're oh, doing okay. it okay. Okay. shows so more kids can learn this. Stuff. Gotcha. Okay. But the looping thing was something that we figured out because you know your show goes off if the kid falls asleep, they wake up. Who knows what's on? Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's a lot more comforting, and I want to keep reminding people, I'm not, we're not creating all this for what you would assume to be a regular kid. We are creating this specifically for children who've experienced some significant trauma, yeah. and those kids have a hard time sleeping, you know? Yeah, yeah. So creating a nightly, the show's called The Night from Wonderment, and creating a nightly habit and a routine where I help them identify. Sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's sad. What do we do with that? Do we want to hold on to it? Or are we ready to release it? Like I walk them through all of that mm-hmm. and then they go to sleep. And if they wake up, I'm still sitting here like, you know, holding the cat and reading some kind of a spell book or something in the background, you know? Um, so we're trying to find as many ways to get this information in front of a broader group of children, you know, um, the school program's awesome. We're buying schoolies. If you know that term, the old, yellow school buses they call them Um, schoolies schoolies yeah and we're converting them to mobile alchemy labs so we're ripping out all the 
chairs and it's like a wizard lab like this. Mm -hmm. So when we go to schools, we do the, you know, the assembly, the rally, whatever, and then classroom by classroom, they come in and they get to do experiments in the bus, the alchemy bus. It, it kind of sounds like a meth lab, like a mobile yeah. meth lab. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I need to work on that. Has a real the kids learning how to do that stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> it's, it's chemistry class. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's a mobile chemistry lab. What, what could go wrong? I'm a dick. You're sitting here talking about this really cool stuff. And I'm like, you're making meth. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Picture me running around in my whitey tidies like Walter White. <laughs> Walter White. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just totally derailed that. It's all right. I like it. I don't know what I was saying, but it's cool. Well, so a question that's been in my head this whole time, and I've been wanting to get it out. Um, you, you were talking about like you work with the therapists uh, at the camp. So is, uh, are these like camp therapists or are these like the kids' personal therapists that they've been working with for years or, or months or whatever, and then they come it's with them? It's their it therapist. Is. Yeah. So okay. right now, one of the things that's interesting, uh, a parent can't just call us up and say, I want little Susie to go to Camp Wonderland. These children have to be referred to us through CPS, okay. cost, like some of these places that they're going to get therapy. Um, and so we partner with the therapist to advance the therapy, right? Right. Um, so far, we haven't had a single therapist say no, um, that right. they don't want to do it. You know, um, some don't want to go out to camp and deal with camp, which I understand, you know, so we're also doing a lot of like city stuff and buildings. And mm. uh, just yesterday, I think I can talk about this. Just yesterday I was in Houston. Uh, there's a place called the Department of Wonder. This is so crazy. So we're <laughs> Camp Wonderment. Yeah. Our parent company is the Wonderment Corporation. Completely unrelated. A friend of mine that I've known for like 20 years and I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years built a place called the Wonderment Department in Houston. And it's basically like a Meow Wolf situation where you go in and you can walk around and mm -hmm. it's really, but they put a story in it. Not only is the name Wonderment involved, but they carry a lantern. Like we had very similar it ends. There's a tree ceremony. We have a tree ceremony. So uh, I spent some time yesterday uh, with those guys and they're very open to working with Camp Wonderment to where I, when they're not booked, for tours, I can get local therapists to start bringing kids through there. Okay. And I'll create the, the adventure yeah. for each one of those groups of kids. So there's a lot of ways to roll it out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and we're in the early days. We just now are starting to get into grants and funding and stuff like that. So, you know, it's exciting. We're building and experimenting, not with therapy, but experimenting with what we're building, you know, uh, portals and animatronic trees that talk to the kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm in heaven. I'm helping kids <laughs> and I'm somewhat of an imagineer. -y. I'm a yeah, wonder near. Yeah. I'm a wonder near. You bring it. I was about to say earlier when you said imagineer, maybe you're a wonder, wonder near. I like not have the tongue quite as well though. No, not, not really. Not yeah. quite. Um, well, I mean, it's, I, I was, I was going to kind of bring it back to that. Like, I mean, it, this does sort of feel like a combination of, of several of your interests and your experiences coming together uh, in, in a way. And I was, I was wondering if there was a, without having to get into your own personal, you know, trauma and issues and whatnot, but like, is there, is there, was there a moment where it all did kind of come together? Was there, was there a certain experience that you had or something you read or, or something that like just, you know, tied all those things together for you? Yeah. I had always heard a lot of people my whole life um, 
I mean, I would say I was always kind of a struggling filmmaker. I've never been, you know, wildly successful, but mm. I've made a living making films, you know, and doing that's, stuff that's that I That's 80% of the filmmakers, I believe. Yeah, no doubt. Like, people are like, yeah, yes, you know. Um, but I would hear these people be like, I'm doing this awesome thing, and it dawned on me one day. And, and I was always kind of jealous of that. You know, you hear that, and you're like, that must be so nice. And my poor wife, dude. She has listened to me forever talk about if I could just find the thing, if I could just find that one thing, because I would work on something that I love, but I had these other interests pulling on me over here, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So uh, the answer to your question is, it was a really, I know I've already said this, but I would say next to, you know, some of the abusive moments of my early childhood, I was in the darkest time of my life about right around the pandemic, right yeah. before the pandemic hit. Um you know, definitely was dealing with suicidal ideation, which mm. if people don't know, that's different than I want to go kill myself. You're just constantly, you hate life so bad, you hope you get hit by a car. Yeah. You're like, wouldn't it be nice if something horrible just happened right now? And that's where I was living for a long time. Yeah. Um, going to therapy, all that stuff. And long story short, it's always somebody ask an important question. It's always the question. Somebody asked me, what caused you a sense of wonderment when you were a kid? And they used the term wonderment. I mean, that's not a common term you use all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I was walking at the park that I would go and walk at night, and I was thinking about it, and I just started making a list. I could vivid, I can right now. I remember sitting outside, talking to my mom, looking at stars, and there were these tall oak trees in the foreground. And they're, well, that's our logo. Like the trees and the mm -hmm. stars, that's our logo. Um, the other things, and it, it was all camp related. It was all mm. trees and being outdoors. And it just started hitting me that everybody is creating these things separately, but nobody has combined them. And it just hit me like, wouldn't it be awesome to help kids rekindle? Uh, this is the first time I had the thought spark that sense of wonderment, mm -hmm. you know, and then I spent a long time just going through, well, I should just pitch Disney on this ridiculous idea. You know, I was always trying to give the idea away. I was trying to find yeah. somebody more worthy, somebody who was more trained and more whatever to take this great idea and run with it. Um, and that doesn't work. You know, um, it hit me and I just couldn't let it go. Yeah. And, yeah. Just took over. Yeah. 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 You got me wondering now, what was a moment that created wonderment for me as a kid? It's funny you mentioned fireflies earlier because when I was when I was young, um, they actually just stopped doing this in the last year or so. But my my dad's side of the family had a family reunion every year and they always did it. Um, anybody who grew up where I did knows where this is. But there's a an old like Indian fort called Fort Belknap um, near the town where I grew up. And um uh, it's 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 mostly like a a rock wall. I don't know. I don't know how big an acre is, but it's like maybe. How do you how do you explain it? I'm trying to I'm trying to like get across the sides. It's a small little fort, and there's a collection of maybe five or six old buildings that probably were garrisons and held you know storage and stuff like that. Um, and my my family they were all very religious, but they would get together on Saturday night and sing hymns and songs and stuff in the in one of these uh in one of these buildings and then the next day they would have like a church service and there was this arbor that had like grapevines so it was like a nice natural 
uh, mm-hmm. shade and everything, and they have benches underneath it, and everybody would bring big potluck picnic kind of thing, and we would eat, and, and you're hanging out with family that you know you only see once a year and everything. Um, but on those nights when they were out, uh, when they were doing the, the hymns and stuff, of course, me and all my cousins would walk along the wall. It wasn't very tall. It was at, the, at the tallest, it was maybe like four and a half feet tall, tall or something like yeah. that. But you could crawl, you could get up on it, and you could walk all the way around the, the, the fort. And, awesome. And you were talking about fireflies. There were just like thousands of fireflies all over the place. And, oh, and the stars would come out. We're out in the middle of nowhere, so you can see the Milky Way and all that. So like, um, And there's like that music coming from the, yep. the hall over there, like, that's immediately what comes to mind when I think of like a wonderment from my from my childhood. So if you break that down, you look at the common elements. You're combining sight, sound, experience, tactical, you're climbing, you're walking, community, mm-hmm. socialize, all of those ingredients. If you removed one or two of those, there's a chance that you wouldn't have thought of it. Right? Like if you had all of that, but you didn't have the lightning bugs, maybe you wouldn't have listed it as a major, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. what we do is we sit around some of the, on the creative side, we look at experiences and then we try to figure out what was the magic in those experiences. Uh-huh. You know, I, like I said, I did 22 summer camps when I was a youth pastor. Yeah. I can tell you to the second, <laughs> the rhythms and everything that would happen in that camp. And they're on purpose. They're by design. Yeah. It is preparing kids for the service that you get it. Yeah. yeah. And um, to me, uh, one of the things I've always done, my desk, this set is at my house. So my desk is right over here. I've got an old set of collector cards from um, Close Encounter. So when mm-hmm. I was a little kid, little, like five, I was in the front yard and I looked down and there was a baseball card. And it had an alien like on it, and it freaked me out. And I grabbed it, and I took it in the house, and my mom, it was a whole thing. And that night, she was sitting outside. I walked up. I was talking to her, and she's like, yeah, I need a lot. Some people really think aliens. I mean, that's crazy. You know, this was a long time ago where that seems absolutely insane. Um, and so what I did is I went on eBay a couple of years ago and bought that card. Oh, you so found everything, it. From, yeah, I have it. Everything from my childhood that I remember as a moment of inspiration or something like that, I buy it and I keep it around me. I have an original Snake Eyes toy. Um, let me grab this. I gotta show you. <laughs> Not my Snake Eyes toy, but this is what started this whole. I do a whole video on this. This is a trash sword. So I teach oh. kids. I've had this since like sixth grade. And I tell them the whole story. There was a lot going on. I went out in the garage. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of abuse. And I made something. It's a tennis ball, a stick, a hanger, and tape. All right. And, dude, I spent years playing Conan in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's honestly, I've held this all this time. I have an awesome display over here that I spent like $400 on to display this. And that to me is kind of the ultimate um, formula here, Mm. you know, help kids understand that you can repair yourself. You can turn something into anything. Anything can be repurposed, anything, you know? Um, And so having that in the camp environment, kids are going home from making stuff like this. 
they're taking all kinds of cool stuff home that'll ground them and mm -hmm. that they can work with. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I could go on forever. I feel like I'm just rambling, but if I start showing you everything in this room, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I'm sitting really there looking crazy. at that room and I'm like, maybe I should like have some like dark macabre channel where I tell like ghost stories or like yeah. dark stuff. Cause, cause I already talked yeah. about a, a bunch of dark stuff in my channel, but like your background is like a thousand times better than my stupid Ikea shelf back here. You're well, like, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe. No, uh, but here's what's cool. Let me show you something real quick. Like this door. I don't know if you can make that out. Uh -huh. I was walking out of an office building with a friend of mine and that door was laying. They just ripped it out. And in the middle, there's two D's. I don't know if you can see it or uh, not. I can't but see those, no. There's two D's there, so I had that. And this isn't how this room's normally lit. This room normally is specially lit. Everything's backlit and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So because of that one piece, I created my character name, D.D. Lumaire. Oh, okay. Everything kind of informed everything. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I came up with a lot of the, this idea while I was building this set. Um, so... Anyway, I'm in heaven, dude. I mean, you can tell it's 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 creative, it's problem solving, it's innovative, it's healing, yeah. and I love it, man. Well, maybe a fun way to sort of uh, put a button on this would be, I don't know, like this whole wonder. Like you asked, like what created wonderment when you were a child. I kind of feel like anybody listening to this or watching this, that could be a fun exercise for them. Maybe not fun even, but just a. a an enlightening uh, exercise to reflect on for sure. Yeah. Um, and it kind of made me wonder about like what kind of things that you guys are doing that maybe uh, an adult could put into practice in their daily lives or just maybe not daily, but you know, just things that they can do to create Absolutely. that sort of sense of wonder or like use a, a, a narrative structure to kind of work through whatever they're going through and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I think, I think adults would benefit, like you just said, like every time you talk to somebody about this, an adult is like, I want to see this. Cause like, yeah. Yeah. I think everybody could well, benefit and, from and it. That's the struggle is I keep telling people the goal is kids first, then kids and their family. And then we'll open it up to adults. Yeah. You know, um, but to answer your question, I think that's an awesome, awesome question. I'm going to actually steal that for future interviews. And, uh, <laughs> really good. um, First and foremost, there's a there's a great book called The Artist Way. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. It's been around forever. Mm -hmm. I've taught that class countless, countless times. And there's a process in there called the artist date. And it's one of those things that people don't take serious, right? We never yeah. take our self-care serious. But what it really means is for an hour every week, you're going to do something that genuinely gets you interested. Yeah. Right? So... It's easy for me, dude, because I'm interested in a lot. So <laughs> I can take an hour and go to Hobby Lobby and walk around, and I'll burn three hours in there just looking at crap, yeah. you know. Um, but the reason that works for me is it's pure creativity. Uh -huh. I'm not spending that hour working on a deadline. I'm not spending it working on my relationships. I'm not spending it. I am literally feeling what has me excited and interested and I'm going to go spend some time around it. And I've done this my whole life. That's how I got into archery. That's how I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's how people are like, you've done a lot of stuff. I go where my interests yeah. are. Yeah. And a lot, Joe, a lot of people don't do that. They're just like... Well, they don't take the time to even discover what their interests are. They're just kind of 
well, and I don't mean that to be like blamey, but like, that's just, that's just life. You're like wrapped up in just getting through your day and taking care of your kids and everything. But like just taking, I think that's what meditation is good for too. Just taking a little bit of time to just like connect with what's going on in here and listen. And, and you can, you can learn so much from that. Well, and to answer your narrative question, so I would say artist dates, I wish people would do that and take it serious. But the combination is if you'll take a few seconds and people don't believe this. You don't have to think. People get this really confused. This is not work. If you'll be quiet for just a few seconds and ask yourself, what was it that gave me such a sense of wonder and awe? Before you even finish asking, you're going to remember. Yeah. It's not so you didn't have to sit around and hmm, it came to you, right? Yeah. So what's happening is when people ask that question honestly, they're recalling old programming. So, um, the, the whole idea is to ask yourself what caused you wonderment and then go spend an hour a week in that environment. Mm-hmm. Because if you were in that environment when you're a kid, unless it's a very specialized place, like in your case, you probably don't want to drive back to that place yeah. once a week for an, or for an hour, right? But you could find a place that has the lightning bugs, there's some music playing live outside. Next thing you know, you're just sitting on a back patio at a bar and you're inspired. Yeah, yeah. People don't know how to, to do that, you yeah. know. Um, on the narrative side, I can tell you that they're the, the fastest way to shift your narrative is to watch how you answer things like I am. You know, there's a whole I am thing in the world. Mm-hmm. My favorite meditation practice in the world is the I am meditation. That's a whole other conversation. But when could, you could start, you sum that up really briefly, just so people know what you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. Um, I will sit and I'll breathe. I do box breathing. If you know box yeah. breathing, like you know, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. I'll do that. And you like, hold your breath breathing. for ten seconds, and then breathe out. Hold your yeah. breath for ten yeah. seconds or whatever. Yeah, or a count yeah, of ten. Yeah. Um, I'll do that for a long time, and then people are always like, "Well, what do you do with your thoughts?" And a lot of people are like, well, meditate, just empty. That's impossible. It's impossible. I will sit and I will just say, I am, and I'll breathe. I am, I am, and I'm breathing. And then listen to what your brain is answering. I am a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I am wasting time. I am, it's a great way to pull your subconscious up. You just... I am. And then your mind's like, yeah, you're, you're an idiot. Well, I don't think that's true. That's an option. I am. And the way I've always looked at it, it's like you're clearing out muddy pipes. Those first couple of I am's are always pretty shitty. dude. Yeah. yeah, Like I'm a loser. I ain't. And if you'll keep doing it, you're breathing. And what we were talking about where you realize you are not these things that you're witnessing. They're options. Then you can start putting in there. I am confident. I am <laughs> love. I am this. And then as you go through that, you can start projecting that into what mm-hmm. you want the answers to be. I am super successful with Camp Wonderman. I am able to heal millions of kids. I am, but people try to go there first and it's phony. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you're shit, dude. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, that's way more information than what you're asking for. But the I am is narrative in your brain. Gotcha. That's the point. Like, just say I am and whatever that answer is, 
that is the program that is currently running. Mm. And you change it by changing that I am process and people resist it. I am a loser. No, I'm not. I'm going to prove to myself I'm not a loser. Good luck. Yeah. You're going to be a loser for the rest of your life. You got to release it and not identify with it. And dude, we're teaching that to seven and eight year olds, man. You know, again, so, I wish that was something that was taught to me when I was a kid. No doubt. Those, and, are, those are really helpful tools. And I'll land on this. You know, we have this in place. The next time there is a pandemic, the next time there is a terrorist attack, mm-hmm. a shooting, something like that, we have a vehicle in place to help those kids through that and manage and understand that. Mm-hmm. And I became painfully aware of this during the pandemic when my son just could not understand what was going on. Yeah. You know, we wound up making a short uh, video, like a short little sci-fi movie, because I was trying to explain to him what the pandemic was. He never understood what the pandemic was, but he was no longer worried about it. Okay. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. I'm hoping that we will have enough of a presence that when the next, you know, thing happens that children are exposed to, we're able to start helping them through real life, real world events. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Um, where can people find out more or how can they support this kind of thing? Great question. Uh, so our website is the wondermentcorp.com. Um, right now, we're, if you want to get involved, you want to help on the website, we have a list specifically of the things we're raising money for. Um, I don't take a salary. No one takes a salary. All money goes into building either the school bus, the set pieces, or some of the YouTube videos and all that. That's what the money's going towards. So, um, but on the site, you can find our videos, you can find that white paper around, around like the evidence-based reasons for camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the things that I love about this the most is if you're creative, if you have any kind of a creative outlet and you wanna get involved, you can reach me through the website, man. We have had musicians, sculptors, writers, animators, just reach out and they want to do so much of what we're doing is art. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what we're doing now is if, if you do something for Camp Wonderment as an artist, we get those artists to tell a story that happened in their life that they had to overcome in order to be successful at this art. Um, so if anybody is interested in participating, you know, like that, we're looking for more and more people. So cool. Yeah. When, uh, when we kind of, you know, got back in touch with each other and we're sitting down and having coffee and you started talking about this, I was like, this is insane. This is really cool. And and it, and it combines so many of my interests. I know obviously your interest too, but, um, it's, it's just such a, a unique way of, um, of, of reaching people. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was super impressed and I'm, I'm just like, uh, I'm super impressed by you. So, thanks, um, dude. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing that. You, uh, you know, doing what you can to get the word out. This is awesome. Yeah. So I really do appreciate it. All right. Well, All right. Love Fest. Love Fest. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my buddy Damien. I think what he's doing is just really cool. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, uh, maybe you want to be a part of it or help out in some way, you just want to learn about it, whatever, the website is wondermentcorp.com. 
This episode was produced by Kimmy Britt, edited by Bray Brown. I'm Joe Scott. You can find me at Answers with Joe pretty much everywhere on the socials. Of course, my YouTube channel is Answers with Joe. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Um, please do share this if you thought it was interesting. A nice review on whatever podcast player you're using right now really goes a long way. But until next time, thank you very much. Have a good one. Now go out there and start some conversations of your own. Take care. Thank you.